Hello, and welcome back to the United MEC Leading Edge podcast series. I'm the United MEC spokesman, Captain James Belton. In the lead-up to the ALPA Legislative Summit, we're going to discuss the importance of ALPA's interaction with our nation's elected representatives and our concerns as pilots. Today, we're fortunate enough to have with us United Airlines First Officer John Bocheri. John is an Air Force reservist, but perhaps more germane to this podcast is the fact that John served as a congressman for Ohio's 16th District. Jim, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be back here in Chicago at the, uh, at the United MEC. John, can you tell us a little bit about your career and history with legislative work? I'm sure the pilots will be fascinated. <laughs> well, you have to go back uh, to when I was in college. Uh, I played baseball at St. Bonaventure University, and uh, my sophomore year ended up leading the country in stolen bases. And the leadoff hitter uh, took a lot of pitches for me. And when I was done playing baseball in college and uh, went on, he was from Ohio, and we went back to Ohio, and he was working for a state senator. He was a legislative aide. And I called him up and said, uh, Paul, I'm done playing baseball. I played uh, in the Frontier League right after college, but uh, what, what are you doing? He said, I'm working as a, as, a, as a legislative aide for a state senator in Ohio. And he said, why don't you apply for this job down at the state capitol, and you can be a, um, you can be a legislative aide. And so I applied and ended up getting selected, and I worked for two gentlemen who ran for uh, Congress. Both were state representatives, and uh, both were not successful, and then I went into the Air Force after that. When I finished my Air, Air Force uh, training and came back to be a reservist in Ohio, uh, I put my name on the ballot uh, after the coaxing of one of my former bosses, who was a state senator at that time, um, and I ended up winning my first election by 72 votes. So whoever doesn't think that their vote doesn't count uh, is mistaken because it really does. And in that case, uh, 72 people sort of changed the direction of Ohio. I served as a state representative, uh, state senator, and then uh, ran for Congress in 2008 and was successful. I served one term. Uh, While in Congress, I sat on the Transportation Committee uh, on the Aviation Subcommittee, and I was a member of the committee that uh, had to hear oversight uh, testimony from the NTSB and the FAA after the Colgan Air crash. And it was our committee that pushed legislation for upset stall recovery training, as well as the 1,500-hour rule for uh, you know experienced pilots. So that was kind of how I got involved in politics. Um, uh, my, uh, the guy who took a lot of pitches for me to, to win uh, uh, the stolen base championship uh, for the NCAA was uh, kind of my, my entrance ramp onto and into politics. Wow. That certainly is impressive, John. And you are the right individual who can give us a better explanation of the role of the Alpha Political Action Committee or PAC. Now, I'm sure you can provide uh, some of that insight, especially uh, in the lead up to the legislative summit that we're going to see. Yeah, that's correct. I've been on the uh, MEC's legislative team for a number of years now. Uh, They've uh, asked me to help kind of guide some of the issues that we've pushed and you know, on May 31st, ALPA will host its annual legislative summit. It's a great summit in Washington, D.C. It uh, lasts roughly about three days, and about 150 or so pilots, ALPA pilots and volunteers, attend. Uh, presentations uh, are, are made, and a breakout training is conducted by, you know, guests that we, we contract and ALPA staff experts. I understand this training prepares those pilots to effectively express our political concerns, given the small amount of time a congressman uh, can afford their constituents 
with whom they meet. I was fortunate enough to attend last year, John, and I was blown away by the efforts that our pilots and our staff put forth. Well, Jim, everybody uh, involved does a great job helping to prepare the volunteers and the pilots uh, to get the message to our, you know, to our members of Congress. Uh, we become educated about advocacy, about uh, procedures in Congress, and what ELPA is asking for in particular when we, when we approach those members, as well as the impact of social media. And it is powerful, especially when it comes to politics. That's great, John. Uh, I, so what were the hot-button issues ALPA was asking Congress with which to take action on last year, and what's the agenda for this year? ALPA is uh, very concerned about a number of issues ranging from, you know, safety and security to unfair business practices to pilot training requirements and, you know, the drone integration, something that you're very familiar with, Jim, into the national aerospace system. And after our training was completed, and myself and about 150 other pilots visited individual members of Congress and their senators and, and their congressional staffs. Uh, so it was uh, very insightful. I was uh, personally able to sit down with my congressman at that time, uh, Congressman John Katko, a Republican representative from New York's 24th District. We shared a story about a drone being over top of his house, so it's interesting that I'm doing that work right now. He and his staff were very generous with their time. Was the staff and the congressman, were they familiar with our other issues, Jim? Uh, yes, John. Uh, we met briefly with his staff, and uh, we spelled out the, uh, the talking points that we had. When the congressman came in, we engaged in some familiar small talk about uh, some mutual interests. That's an effort to build a rapport uh, with your elected official. After all, they're there for, for you, and they need to get to know you. Well, you know, ELPA this year had three main initiatives that we uh, wanted Congress to focus on. You know, you need to bear in mind, though, that uh, ELPA is working every day to help improve um, the lives of uh, pilots and in the industry in general in many different ways outside of, you know, our congressional halls. Uh, But for our purposes this year, the Legislative Committee and our national officers selected three specific initiatives. Well, that's smart. Yeah, it's at the top of the list. Uh, it's our career, career protection. You can consider uh, the work that ELPA does as an insurance policy for us. We asked members of Congress to support a bill that would uh, eliminate unfair advantages that other carriers using flags of convenience uh, have to undermine labor rules and practices. They ultimately jeopardize safety in the long run. Well, that seems like a very involved topic. How do you boil it down for a few minutes that you have with the congressman? I see the way I uh, conducted myself when I was in Congress. I, you tend to spread yourself very thin as uh, a member of Congress, and you know they have to know a lot, uh, something, a little something about everything. And uh, oftentimes they need experts to help train and educate them on what are the important issues. And I, I would uh, represent my constituents as best I could. My time was very, very valuable. I spent a lot of time reading and researching and. Now, this is where the training that we conduct for ELPA kicks in. We are the experts in our field, and when we go and educate the staff, we help uh, in the member, we help get our points across in the, in the short time that we have. Uh, our volunteers and our experts are taught to stick to, you know, talking points that we generate that are, that are specific and express, um, you know, what we want to hit home to the members of Congress and, our, and their constituents. Uh, in a in a flag of convenience model, for example, you know a company like NAI can employ pilots from Southeast Asian countries and then and then base them in Ireland and and have them fly to U.S. in direct competition with U.S. carriers. 
So uh, we give that carrier access to our market here in the United States, one of the largest economies in the world, while they are, are working to undermine the rights and livelihoods of, of our workers. And, you know, a member, of Cong- a member of Congress could have many airline employees in their district and, and who can lose their careers to predatory practices uh, that we're seeing uh, uh, with international carriers. Uh, we need to politely remind our elected officials and, and those who are serving us that these airline workers vote and, you know, we should be protected. So these uh, flags of convenience carriers, they're just looking for the best deal out there in the world, and, and sometimes we're, we're accommodating that. So all we're looking for is a level playing field spelled out in Congressman DeFazio's bill. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I actually served with Congressman DeFazio, and I have not met someone who is more passionate about these types of issues. Uh, he's from Oregon, and he drafted uh, a bill that uh, is supposed to have you know, stemmed the efforts of flags of convenience models. Uh, unfortunately, it was stopped in the Senate, and the process needs a boost, and that's where we come in. It's, it's a good thing that uh, members of Congress and senators from states like mine, Ohio, are very supportive. And I, I think, you know, 150 or more pilots in our uniforms descending upon Congress sends a strong, clear, and concise message that uh, means a lot to not only our elected officials, because we're showing up in mass, but um, other pilots who are out there uh, flying while we're doing this advocacy. Well, I imagine that's, uh, that's extremely important. Uh, every pilot on the Hill when I went to the summit was in uniform. Why do we do that? Well, well you, Jim, you and I are both in the military, and you know that uh, uh, that uniform uh, is often a symbol of uh, our professionalism, our strength, and, and expertise as a, a subject matter experts. Uh, when we walk the halls uh, of uh, airports and in terminals, we see uh, many people uh, coming up to us and asking us you, uh, you know, questions about flying in general. And it's the first thing they see often. I'm talking constituents or, or, or folks who are uh, in an airport. And they're often drawn to us. And you know, that helps us deliver our message of safety and security and especially to members of Congress and the general flying public. Yeah, that makes sense. I've, I've spent a career in uniform, so I understand that. Uh, so what else did we discuss in our nation's capital? We urged our uh, representatives in Congress to consider supporting secondary barriers on all commercial aircraft, not just the, the m- new models that are being built. Uh, cockpit security is paramount, and every pilot and their family, as well as the public at large, understands the lessons of 9-11, and, and those should always be remembered. John, 9-11 was 18, uh, 19 years ago. The uh, horrific events of that day, uh, I they're burned into my memory. Surely we've shored up all of our security when it comes to uh, airplanes and secondary barriers and cockpit doors by now, right? Well, you would think so, but uh, sadly, uh, I would have to say no. The answer is no. Uh, when, I, when I think back to that day, and I think every pilot or, or general uh, person in the in public could uh, understand and remember where they were that day, and remember what our nation lost. Um, you know, I'm I'm very saddened that it's taken uh, so long, and and uh, you know we have United Captain Victor Saracini's wife Ellen, who has devoted almost 19 years to lobby Congress to require a relatively easy fix that uh, had been spelled out in the 9/11 Commission report that may have saved her husband's life and uh, would have certainly um, thwarted any uh, new efforts by terror-minded people. It's hard to believe uh, that we haven't truly secured our cockpits to the level that we need to. Yeah, no, we, we haven't, and it, it's really important. And the sad, you know, that sad fact uh, kind of stems into our third concern, and that is that 
one level of safety for all commercial carriers, whether they're packs or cargo. And ELPA and uh, our brothers and sisters uh, at the cargo carriers would love secondary barriers for their cockpits. Heck, they would like primary barriers, too. Wow. Um, we have plenty of ALPA brothers and sisters at carriers like FedEx. And uh, you're telling me that their cockpits don't have uh, primary barriers? They're not completely secure? No. And, and you know, I, I've, I've walked the halls of uh, Congress with uh, several pilots from, from FedEx. and, and Including our president. Yeah. And they have said that... Um, you know, cargo car, cargo carriers don't have the same level of security when it comes to cockpit entrance. And now uh, they don't have passengers in the aircraft, but, you know, a stowaway can access a cockpit and potentially, you know, perpetrate an attack like those of 9-11, God forbid, if we if we don't act now. And uh, ELPA has made sure that Congress hears this message, and, and they were also made aware that cargo carriers, uh, you know, have animal trainers and the like riding in their cockpits with tranquilizer guns and live animal cargo and the set and such. And, you know, vetting these, um, you know, vetting these individuals, sometimes foreign agents uh, who are flying along with them is, is lacking. And, you know, Congress has to take action legislatively to prevent this disaster. And, uh, you know, ELPA is going to make sure that we do this. John, a hot button issue is, uh, is how we pay for all of this. Isn't the summit and the congressional engagement an expensive enterprise? And is this all done through dues money? Well, it, it is an expensive enterprise, and it takes uh, many, many different working components to make uh, our team work and work efficiently. Um, ELPA does spend dues money on committee work, you know, stuff that you and I do uh, for, the, um, for the association. Uh, they spend it on staff and our national officers when it comes to legislative efforts. But absolutely, no dues money uh, is used on political campaign contributions. Uh, those are done through ELPA's Political Action Committee, or PAC, which uh, offers a tremendous education and advocacy impact for the issues that we feel are really, really important and solely done by the contributions to the ELPA Political Action Committee. Uh, you know, Jim, this, this PAC provides campaign contributions to federal office holders, candidates, and their uh, respective committees. ALPA pilots uh, do this voluntarily. They, uh, uh, they separate and contribute money to the PAC so that we can build relationships with those important decision makers in order that our future efforts are heard and acted upon. Well, I'm sure that our pilots have tons of questions uh, about our polit political action money. Who gets it? What party benefits? How much can we give to the candidates? We could uh, probably fill an entire podcast with just questions about the ALPA PAC. We just may do that, but for today's purpose, we'll just touch on a few items. Yeah, Jim, that's right. It's, uh, it's important to realize, and this is a general misconception out there, that the, the PAC, only the Political Action Committee, asks pilots for not only money, but sometimes their time as well. And uh, our PAC can always use more volunteers to help deliver our message to Congress. Well, John, can anyone give to the PAC? ELPA uh, pilots can contribute uh, up to $5,000 a year. Uh, we recognize that that level of contribution in the ELPA magazine each year, and, and you know some pilots wish to have that done so that they can um, have their, uh, their contribution levels, their important contribution levels, uh, broadcast to all the pilots who are contributing. John, just to clarify, it's only ALPA members that can contribute to the ALPA PAC, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, when you say anyone, it's anyone within ALPA. I'm sure our pilots are very concerned about where the money goes. Does the money go only to one side or one party? No, Jim, definitely not. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, ELPA's 
contributions to candidates are the most bipartisan in uh, the country. To be clear, the Alpha PAC is among the most bipartisan. We don't mandate a 50-50 split in who we give to, but we are usually quite close. We are the most bipartisan labor PAC, however. Yeah, that's true. Uh, our PAC contributes to both sides, not just one. And you, you may only build relationships on one side, but that will come to hurt you down the road because it's not as productive when you're working with both sides of the political aisle. I'm sure uh, all sides care about safety, so that's probably an easy one, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, and, and ELPA you know, desires to speak with all decision makers, regardless of their party. We want um, to everyone to understand our initiatives, and fortunately, we see great support from all sides, and that's, that's why we engage our members of Congress and support candidates from all sides uh, that we work with to help our members. And, you know, our families are ultimately uh, general, you know, members of the general flying public, so it's important to us. So the bottom line is, is that if you give to the PAC, that money is being spent on our behalf to support us and what we are concerned with. The ALPA PAC only supports uh, those who support pilots. Is that a good way to put it? Jim, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, we want our government to work for us and the good people who work uh, with the Political Action Committee make sure that every dollar is spent to further pilot concerns, regardless of party affiliation. Every dollar the, the PAC receives is uh, an important contribution to helping press the, those issues that directly affect the lives of pilots. Well, like I said, uh, I imagine an entire podcast can be filled with those inner workings. It was extremely interesting for me to attend the, uh, the legislative summit that we had and, uh, and find out about how the PACs work. I thought it was great. Legislative officials uh, are there to answer any questions concerning our legislative efforts, and you know, we want to we make our voices heard. Uh, certainly, uh, managements and lobbyists and our adversaries have strong political action efforts, and, and they don't care about party affiliation when it comes to getting what they want. We need everyone to engage and, and all pilots to engage. And, you know, we know that large U.S. companies have lobbying offices in every congressional district, and we can't afford that kind of effort on a grand scale. But we do have ALPA pilots who live across the United States and in, each, in many districts, and you know, that is uh, more important to a congressional representative because your vote matters. John, we are uh, certainly fortunate here at United to have pilots like you working at ALPA and for the PAC, and I appreciate everybody that volunteers their time. Can you talk more about your time in Congress and what that means to uh, United pilots? Well, my time in Congress, uh, especially spent on the Transportation Committee, was important. Um, you know, you work so hard to get to these political offices and you give up time with family and you sacrifice many things. And, um, you know, oftentimes uh, our elected representatives get a bad rap in the sense that uh, they're in it for themselves. But I remember I remember after the Colgan air crash and after the, uh, the families who were up in the balcony uh, when we passed that legislation and we, we, we pressed hard for, for greater safety uh, with respect to upset stall recovery training. And they, they thanked me and hugged me. And I remember walking down the the steps of the Capitol that, that evening. It passed around 11.30 in the evening, and I told my chief of staff, I said, you know, for all the grief that we have to put up with every day, getting yelled at and sometimes, you know, fruit thrown at you and, and vegetables thrown at you, uh, in the long run, days like this make a difference, and we have made a difference for safety in the eyes of the public and, um, and for our brothers and sisters who are out there on the line flying the operation every day. And that's what made it so gratifying. You know, 
Uh, I was lucky because when I was on the committee, I had thousands of hours of flying already, both as a military pilot and some civilian work. But there were many members on that committee who had zero flying time, who uh, had only been passengers on airplanes and not necessarily been behind the operation or the, uh, the, uh, you know, the conduct of our, uh, uh, of our training. And so it was important that we educated them that upset stall recovery training was important. And since 1972, the NTSB had been telling the FAA to incorporate this in their, in their, um, in their, in their curriculum, and they hadn't done it. Now, uh, that's where ELPA and our volunteers come in, because now we're educating public opinion, we're educating members of Congress and their staffs to do the right thing. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was important. And, um, you know, those, um, the last few years, uh, we defeated any effort to move towards uh, single pilot operations for airliners. We prevented reductions in first officer training and qualification, and we helped defeat a, a bill to increase foreign ownership of uh, U.S. airlines and, and uh, you know, allow foreign uh, air carriers to fly U.S. military uh, routes and, and on craft flights. You know, just recently, we were able to fully repeal the um, Affordable Care Act excise tax, which is best, better known as the Cadillac tax, which was 40% tax on employer-paid health care plans. So we've had that sort of effort, and uh, that has been a win for us. John, you're a young guy. Can we uh, anticipate that you'll be back in Congress someday? <laughs> well, wouldn't my wife like to know that one? Um, <laughs> No, I uh, I haven't ruled it out, and I haven't ruled it in. Right now, I'm just having a blast flying uh, the line out there. I'm a Cleveland first officer and uh, operating the 737 and uh, finishing up my military career. Perhaps someday, uh, I can't say never, but uh, maybe we'll get back in it and see what happens. Fantastic, John. Uh, on behalf of everybody at ALPA, we, we certainly thank you for your service to ALPA and our country. And uh, we here at United, we intend for our podcasts to be informative. But if you listening need more information, please contact your reps or your committee members directly. The descriptions of the Airline Pilots Association PAC are not a solicitation to contribute to the PAC. Only ALPA members, ALPA executives, senior administrative and professional staff personnel, and their immediate family members living in the same household are eligible to contribute to the ALPA PAC. ALPA PAC maintains and enforces a policy of refusing to accept contributions from any other source. ALPA members may learn more about the ALPA PAC and about contributing to ALPA PAC by visiting www.alpa.org and entering the members-only portion of the website. Yeah, if you, you, if you have any questions, we can answer them. Our legislative teams are organized and, and ready to act, and you know, now's the time to get involved and stay informed. Uh, we need you. On behalf of the entire United MEC, thanks for listening to the United Leading Edge podcast. I'm Captain James Belton.